This is Bird Fans Forever Podcast with Steve Tate, John Diner, and myself, John Pemberton. Go Birds! Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bird Fans Forever Podcast number 17. Reminder to everyone, if you haven't already done so, to follow us on Twitter at Bird Fans Forever. And our central point of information is our website, www.birdfansforever.com. On the website, you can find tabs with links to our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and others, as well as a tab to access our videos on YouTube, where we're also called Bird Fans Forever. So subscribe and follow us on Twitter and YouTube so you can be up to date with everything going on from us. Our guest for today is Redbird for Life, Scott Fowler, who is also with the Illinois State basketball team from 1987 to 1992. We'll be right back with Scott. Hello and welcome to Bird Fans Forever, episode 17 with Scott Fowler. He played from 1987 to 1992. On the 87-88 team, he was a redshirt and was on the NIT team with Matt Tapborn and Ned Kane. In 88-89, we were 13-17, and 17, and that was not a good year, right, Scott? <laughs> and then the 89-90 NCAA team with us, um, the 90-91 Five and twenty-three. Now off the air, Scott tried to make it five and twenty-five because Scott just wants to add <laughs> losses. But uh, Scott also blew his ACL on that one minutes before they got on the bus, and Butterly talked about that one. Um, and then he came back and won a conference championship his senior year in the ninety-one, ninety-two season. So Scott, welcome and thank you for being on, big boy. How you doing? Thanks. I'm excellent. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Perfect. Awesome. Other big numbers for Mr. Fowler. The senior year, he scored 11.7, averaged 11.7 points a game, shot 51.9% from the floor, averaged five rebounds. Against Wichita State, he went there and grabbed 12 rebounds in a game. In the 91-92, he was second team all-conference. Um, that's enough of the uh, highlights for Scott. He's got a lot more. <laughs> go look out of the in the record book on the uh, Go Redbirds fan site, and you'll find him there. So, we always start with this question, Mr. Fowler, how did you get the ISU? Oh, man, what a journey. I, th I was one of those uh, kids that, uh, you know, I wanted to sign early, so I wanted to do the November signing. So I, was, I wanted to get it all out the way so that I could focus in on, you know, that Chicago prep ball that's, you know, really tough when it comes to the um, city playoffs and, the, you know, the state and all that other good stuff. So I had – Three, I think, official visits and one unofficial visit. I think the unofficial visit was to Northwestern. Um, my sister lived in that area. We used to play spring ball in that area. You know, I knew some people up there, you know, a couple of girls and stuff like that. So I ended up eventually, you know, seeing the coach. And he, you know, he presented, you know, an offer to me. They called. But at the time, I didn't think I was going to be able to make the academic requirements to go to Northwestern. You know, if I would have known I was going to sit out my freshman year, then I probably would have went anyway. Yeah. You know, been in the Big Ten. And, um, and then I don't know the sequence of the, the visits, but then I visited Oklahoma State. And, of course, this was the year Kansas won the national championship. So I guess I would have been playing up against Danny. Man, I, would, I guess I would have played against you guys. No, you got we played Oklahoma our freshman year. We didn't play uh, in Oklahoma State. No. But um, yeah. that, that, one did, that trip didn't go so well. I, I found out that trip I was a city kid and that the country just wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> and then I went and visited um, St. Louis 
and Illinois State. And everything about Illinois State just vibed with me. You know, the people, the campus, you know, everybody there, everything that was going on. And the night I said, it was so much pressure. The night I said that I was going to go to Illinois State, I was on the phone, you know, with with um, Illinois State on the other line was St. Louis. And they were like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, too much pressure. I can't handle right. this. <laughs> so I just, I just, you know, it was one of those rare cases. I just won my heart. And I was like, you know, I had a great time there. I love the program. I like where it's going. You know, it's similar to what I'm, you know, how I play and, and things now. So it became an easy choice at that point. Illinois State it was. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So you get the ISU in the 87-88, and then they drop the bomb on you as your freshman uh, uh, freshman on campus. So let's talk about that bomb and, and thinking what a red shirt is, right? Because a lot of us... I uh, know. Especially back then, we didn't know what red shirts were, you know? Yeah, I had absolutely no idea. You know, they had never mentioned it before. And, of course, in hindsight, you know, like, you know, I spoke earlier, you know, it made sense being behind, you know, so many top-tier power forwards, you know, playing in my position. My time would have been limited, so it made better sense. But, yeah, it it was – I forget how the conversation went. I have absolutely no idea how it went, but I know they approached me. And was I'm like, sure hey, it was one sided. Right? Yeah, it was very one sided. You know, I, it, it wasn't me going up to them saying, you know what? I, I can see the dynamics in the program. I think it would behoove us if I sat out this year. You know, it didn't go that way at all. It, was, it wasn't this interactive, dynamic conversation. <laughs> Not at all. It was like, you got a red shirt this year. What is a red shirt? All right, like, all right I, we go. I got a red shirt. I got a green shirt. I know, shirt. I exactly. <laughs> That's why I came to this school, to get a red shirt. I think I'm okay. Yeah, it, it was it was confusing. Um, and, at the, you know, I think what made it better, I, I was saying earlier, is Dan, you know, he was my roommate. You know, he was the other freshman that came in with me, and he red shirted as well. And it, it was such a learning curve. I remember, like, being at the first game, and, you know, we're out there having to shoot around, you know, before the first game, and everybody's getting ready to shoot free throws. And they're like, all right, Scott and Dan, line up over here to do line drills. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you know, we just did about 50 line drills last week. I'm not going to do them right now. And he was like, no, this is how it is. You don't play, you got to get in some conditioning. I was like, wow. I did the same thing. Right. Here's here's shoot around, right? Everybody's going to get their water and their free throws, and then they're over on the side going, "Come on over here, big pep, time to run," and you're like, "Uh, what?" And you know, and there I am running up and down the court, and they're all drinking, yeah. you know, drinking their Gatorade, shooting their free throws, and yeah, it's. It's a trip. And it's no stopping. It's like, well, am I running five or am I running ten? They're like, no, <laughs> you run <laughs> until they leave the court. I'm like, you could be an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with Tony Hollowfield shooting free throws, right? I mean, he didn't I know, make it exactly. Up, right? All the, yeah. they'd be all, we'd be all getting, you know, dressed. Tony'd still be out there shooting his free throws and he'd still be running. Come on, Tony, just make a free throw. Come on. Uh huh. <laughs> It was interesting. So I, you know, I kept, you know, preparing to, to do, you know, to prepare myself for the next season, 
you know, so it was made understood. You're sitting out this year, you know, it's a red shirt, you know, it was understood, you know, what would go forward? You still got four years left. I'm like, okay, everything's fine. You know, what can I do to get myself in a position, you know, to be, to be better? So that's, that was my focus at that time. And me and Dan, you know, we kind of, you know, we worked out really hard, you know, throughout the school year and the spring and the summer. So when we came back in the fall, you know, I wanted to be ready to go. Yep. Yep. Well, Scott, when you're there, leading up to that first practice and John always says October one, five. Do you remember that first practice? And, and, and do you have any stories was, that like, he always tells about someone who's under Donald, like, you, you know, you don't show up five minutes before practice. You show up. Did anyone give you a heads up or, or did they just let you learn the hard way? Oh, you learn the hard way. You just follow the, <laughs> follow the path. You just follow the group. Like where's the cafeteria? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's a rite of passage, you know, you know, you're getting on an airplane and everybody's dropping their bags at you like, what's wrong with you guys? Put your bags on the plane. I'm like, no, the freshmen have to carry them. No heads up. You didn't want to tell us, you know, it's the dead of winter out here. You know, I'm getting ready to get on the airplane. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. And, and the practice, I wish we, they really should have did a demo practice so you would know. Because the first day of practice, it, I, I didn't know where I was at, what I was doing. I was just running around. I was just like, just don't stop. Just keep moving. Because <laughs> it was this five-man motion that I had never done before. And it was this expectation that you should know what this is. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And you're getting yelled at. And you're getting line drills assigned to you. right? Give, my, give Fowler another one. Give Pembert in one, right? I mean, you're like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. <clears throat> I know. Like that whole thing. line drill thing. They would they would throw in line drills out like you know at a game with the with the t shirt cannon or something. They would just it was just uh, <laughs> fun for me. They were kind of like Oprah. You get a line drill. You yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Look under your chair. What do you got? I got a line drill. Thank you, coach. <laughs> Man, but no, that first day was interesting. But yeah, there was no warning. Um, I, I vaguely remember the the uh, conditioning. I remember the Indian run. Oh my God, the three mile Indian sure, run. I'm not sure you can call that in this day and age. Oh yeah, I, I don't know what you call it now. I don't know but... what they call it now. You want to explain <laughs> it? What it is? Yeah, so we oh, all get. I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So we, we were doing our three mile run all in the line. The last person has a sprint to the front, and then you just keep going, and keep going, and keep going. Man, so here's the miles? key. Here's the key. And I don't know if Scott knew this his freshman year. I'd love to know if he figured it out second year. I'm walking up, I'm looking at him and Dan. I'm going to run behind them. You know why? Exactly. They're fresh. <laughs> And they're the slowest. So when they take off to go and get in front of the line, you can start to cheat out and kind of make your run. So you stay completely off the coach who's riding the bike's radar, and you're not going to get yelled at because they're yelling at Dan to pick it up. And then, of course, you're just sliding in front of Dan at the last second or Scott and Dan. So, yeah, you don't want to be near Jeff Harris. You don't want to be near no. Sonny Roberts. You don't want to be near Matt Taphorn. Todd Starks. Randy Blair, you want to be on the opposite side of the planet of those human beings, right? I did not learn that. <laughs> I, feel, I feel cheated now, but. Oh, so I had, I had Derek Sanders and Bill Bradsick, and Derek's like, big pimp. Okay. 
I'm going behind Bill Bradsick. <laughs> Derek's like, Derek's like, I'm going behind Bradsick. I'm like, well, if Derek's going behind Bradsick, I'll go behind Derek. Oh, that was a mistake. I need to be ahead of Derek, but behind Bill, right? Uh, I, 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 yeah. So, the big B could fly. So, Scott, in uh, the 89-90 season, uh, right after the incident, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in, in this in this segment, uh-huh. you guys won back-to-back games on last-second tip-ins, probably two of the most remarkable tip-ins. First one was by you, right? And the second yes. was it was it was by Sonny. So let's talk about yours. So it let, let's kind of set it up. We'll put some video to this. It's against Drake. We're down by one. Okay. And, and uh, Gerard has the ball. He's on the baseline. He takes a wonderful shot that comes up about four or five <laughs> feet short, maybe. <laughs> yes, at least. Well, let's uh, let's talk about how you how you finished the game for ISU. Uh. It, it was one of those in the right places at the right time type of tip ins, you know, until, you know, the video was clear that it actually went off my hands and I just took credit for it. Um, it was it was just reactive. It was all about, you know, positioning, getting there into the right spot, knowing your team, you know, what type of shot they like to take and got a nice little, you know, a little fingertip tip in to take it home and did, did a little celebrity celebration yeah. dance on the way down. Yeah. So talking about reactions. So, so John said that you, you got, you had a reaction like a, John, you want to show uh, the, the follower reaction, the normal follower reaction? Oh, yeah. Where he does a, he does a, a fist bump, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little hop, right? Yeah. But we did it four times this time, right? So... <laughs> Well, you had to stress. You had to get back on D, so you had to hop down the court. <laughs> you, you know, you could. You, you weren't looking for anybody to pick up. You were just celebrating. Down the court. <laughs> it was all about me at that moment, I guess. I wanted the scorekeepers to know that it was me, and I wanted everybody to know that I had to get back. Here's the difference. Like, so episode one, um, NCAA tournament, right? We showed uh, Muller's. Uh, uh, game-winning layup, right? And then Pemberton shows the whole team's running back and in unison. They're following the ball. They're looking to pick up people. It's really cool. This team is just jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> they learn because someone at some point must have told them, hey, we get back on D even though you make it. For us, we was like, no, <laughs> it's party time. <laughs> Hopefully, I have to look. Hopefully, someone was clear-headed enough to pay attention, you know, to have our backs while we while I jumped and, you know, paraded and skipped down the court. Oh, man. So the next game, tell- you guys going, you guys going to Bradley, right? And you guys have another remarkable tip, and you guys want to talk about that one? Oh, good, uh, good old Sonny Ray. Good old Sonny, you know, always solid down there. Um, you would have never. Looking at his expression, knowing that Sonny just won the game. Sonny was so even – you know, he just won the game. And he's just like, you know, <laughs> are we getting gondolas on the way back to, you know, normal? You know, what's happening? <laughs> Care less. <laughs> now, if Sonny would have been jumping up, now then, <laughs> then we would have had something going on. 
And that would have been that would have been a poster. That would have been all over campus if that would have happened. <laughs> so we had Coach Lowenthal on about three weeks ago, right? Jeremy? Episode fifteen, right? <clears throat> yeah, and one of the uh, things we talked about, which episode thirteen. Found... I'm sorry, let me correct myself. Episode thirteen, Coach Lowenthal 13. was on. Yes. But the thing that we just found so remarkable in that when we talked about it was in that championship game, the NBC championship game, you know, the Redbirds drew four charging calls in the first half, and then there was another one in, in the second half. And you, Mr. Fowler, drew three in the first half and a, and a fourth one in the second half. And and we think you got – we know for sure you got at least two fouls, I'm explain, but maybe the, a third one as well. So – Tell us about that, and then tell us about how you guys used to prep for those charge calls. Yeah, I mean, it was, I didn't know I had that many charges in a game, but, you know, usually, something, sometimes, you know, it's part of the, the, um, the game plan. You know, we know someone's out of control. You know, you know, you know where the players are going to go. You know, they're going down the screen. You know, this guy's coming off the, you know, the, the screen or whatever's what's happening. You know, be there, be ready. Um but prior to that, I had always, you know, been a, you know, pretty good at, at taking charges and things like that. And, you know, it was, you know, I could jump okay, but I wasn't no shot blocker. I was only, you know, 6'5", so 6'6", whatever, I like to tell people. So, you know, that was part of, that was part of my defensive repertoire. People used to ask, you know, how'd you guys play? I was like, you know, everybody I played against was taller, you know, some, you know, much bigger and things like that. It's about positioning, getting to the right spot. You know, you know, putting your body out there and, you know, we prep for it in practice. We had this insane drill where, you know, you would sit on the block and someone would be out by the three point line and they would rev up like in the cartoons and just come at you full speed. And they wasn't going around you or anything like that. Their whole point was to go through you. So you absorb the contact might be illegal these days, but you absorb the contact and, you know, took your charge and. Was that I under under say, Donald or? Uh, uh, that was under, I remember doing those under Bender. Bender. Yeah, that was under okay. Bender. Yeah. Oddly so enough, I can't believe it who was the under Who was the worst Dunwall. person to sit on the block? And, uh... <laughs> See, now, now John There's always one you... person on the team that, like, takes it to a new level, right? There's other people <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Realize. It's like, yeah, we're... Go, you're going to go full blast, right? Because everyone's just some football, right? And everyone's smart, right? But there's that one nut job out there that... <laughs> Always listens and does exactly what the coach says. Who was uh-huh. that? I can't. I can't think of who it was. But there were. There was always someone that was like, you know what? I'm going to jump over him. You're like, you're not jumping over me. It's not. That's not happening. My arm reaches eight two when I reach it to the air. You're not jumping over me. But if people want to do that, and, you know, some people, you know, running, you know, would run full speed at you. It's like. I'm gonna fall. Don't worry. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to knock me over. We we get the gist. Just get close enough. Hit me. I'll hit the ground. It's about me hitting the ground. You know, it's not about you running me over. But uh, I, I that was yeah, that was weird. That it was just on the bender. It wasn't on the down wall. Um, that would that <clears throat> typical. That would that, that had down wall written all over it. But no, no, I, I don't remember ever doing it under down wall. Then. Uh, I'll have to talk to some of the other guys we played with and see if they remember it. But Bender weekly, if not twice a week, we'd be out there doing that drill, right? Yeah. And so, 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's crazy. I got three in that game. I didn't even or four in that game. That that was uh that's something else. But like no, I said, I want to say, and I'm at the I'm at the dig through my uh my, my archives and see, but I want to say I got like an award for taking the most offensive file. I don't know if it was from the school at our banquet. If you find it, see. I need a picture of it. So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to look for that. I want to say it was something, and I, and I thought to myself, hey, you know, that's pretty good. I would took pride in that. Yeah, and, and Coach Wallenthal, that was his key to winning the championship, right? He talked glowingly about that, right? And so, um, and then I had to go watch and go find other things. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I think you got all three on Freddie McSwain, which would be our equivalent of getting him on Ricky, right? He was their leading scorer. He was their swing player. Um, the offense kind of ran through him. Um, wow. So – yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. All right, Scotty. So when we were chatting, the first thing you said to me was, "I thought you were telling my story of leaving a recruit." And in episode three, Gerard Coleman, our boy, leaves a recruit in the Waterson lobby after a night of partying at Illinois State. And come to find out, I start rolling out because Scott, what did you do? I also. <laughs> left a recruit in the lobby of Waterson Tower. It was so funny. And I knew this kid, too. When I was in eighth grade, me and, you know, some other eighth graders, they had this little all-star game. And this kid was from the suburbs. And he was short, but he could dunk the ball. And, you know, I was, you know, six, you know, four, whatever. The other, my, my friend Marcus Liberty, he played at Illinois. He played in the pros. You know, we were on the same team. And we were, like, just, like, He's 6'8", and this, this kid is 6'2", 6'3", or whatever, and he's dunking the basketball. We were just, you know, just, you know, crazy what was going on. So he comes to Illinois State for a visit. You know, we're very familiar. You know, he's still this, you know, same kid, cool, everything's nice, showing him around town, stuff like that. You know, we go to a party, some house party. Um, my Achilles Hill, I meet some girl. I'm like, I forget I asked somebody, I was like, hey, you know, either, you know, take them back to the hotel or take them to my room. And somebody on the team was like, cool. So then the next morning, you know, I'm in the room and I get a call from, uh, was it Coach Jones, AJ? You know, oh, you can either come on over uh, to, the, to the stadium or whatever. You know, something happened with the recruit and stuff like that. So I'm walking down and there's the recruit. I'm like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. This is crazy. Come to find out this kid, you know, whoever was supposed to take him back, you know, to the um, hotel or back to my room, just didn't do it. Poor kid slept in the lobby all night long. So he didn't come to Illinois State. (laughs) 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 He moved on somewhere else. Poor guy, you know, and it was funny listening to the story. I was like, ah. I left a recruit in the lobby. Yeah, I know. They're making jokes. I was like, ah, yeah, I left him in Waterston because that's where I left him at in Waterston, you know, lobby. Come to find out we had done it before. So I think the the point is if you're really strong, you can come to Illinois State because you're independent. (laughs) If you you have to rely on a recruiter, a chaperone, then you're not made for Redbird basketball. (laughs) Oh, real. Wow. 
haven't I heard you I say that? I don't remember getting into I don't remember off. getting into too much trouble. Yeah, I don't remember like well, being it suspended. might not have been AJ because uh, it probably would have been under uh, Bender because your freshman year would have been no, no it, year it, would have been. Yeah, it was sophomore. It was so I was sophomore that, year. Uh, okay. was still Dunwall. I remember going yeah. to Morton Fieldhouse, and you know, you go. It's all dark in there. He's got the little backlit, you know, in yep. his office. You know, kind of, yeah. you know, ominous. So you go in there, and you, you know, just nothing you can say or do. You just sit there and just take it. Yeah, whatever yeah. was going to yeah. be said or whatever was going to be done, you just give it to me. I'll take yeah. it. Well, thank God we didn't have some team meeting for you because I would have been running again, right? Because yeah. Sonny got my butt in trouble, right? And so, because you didn't that laugh. That sounds so sunny. Yeah. You so deadpan sunny. humor, right? It's just so uh-huh. sly comment. Um, and he was the master at that, right? Giving a little sly comment. Because we had to be uh-huh. that quiet during film session. I mean, there was no talking you were you had your notes and your your book and you're taking notes and you're watching film session and I mean there's some funny crap that had, had went on and you'd just be like biting a finger because <laughs> you start uh, yeah, bite your tongue right I mean right I remember one time though we we had a film session after a game so we had a game we flew back we were in trouble so we had to watch film it was like one something in the morning and you could just see everybody head just snapping <laughs> back <laughs> i was like this is not gonna go well <laughs> it was a productive uh, film session right <laughs> yeah exactly it was just him up front you know in front of the vcr forward to rewind rewinding yelling and everybody else head back there just snapping trying to stay uh, awake you, that is seat placement during those moments of your career were incredibly important right guys would be pushing each other to get the right chair to get themselves to a corner right so if they did not they wouldn't be seen because where we talked about it you get a line drill you get a line drill you get a line drill. Uh-huh. since the coaches were just sitting back there waiting for you to do something right and so yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't have been beyond them to say, you know what, let's go run, you know, afterwards, you know. It wasn't beyond them to do that. <laughs> no, so. no. Well, there's a lot of midnight practices, right, especially on those years we were losing. Um, so, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk about the 5-23 and 23 season. I almost said 5-25. and 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bad influence, Mr. Fowler. Um, you're able to lost the preseason game. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you would have been playing. So, yeah, do you remember? No. So, do you remember blowing out your ACL? Do you remember that day, I or is do. it all just a blur? It was. It was crazy. Um, I knew I had I had sprained my right ankle a, a little bit. So, you know, I did what everybody is not supposed to do. I was favoring a little bit. And practice was almost over. Um, I want to say it was a cross-court cross pass. I was on the right block. Um, I gave our good Mike Vandergaard a head pump. He went for it. Um, And then when he came down, I thought I broke my leg. I heard the pop, and I thought, oh, my God, I just broke my leg. And... Because I could just feel this sensation just all down the side of my leg. The the last thing I thought was my knee. I didn't think it was my knee at all. Um, And then, you know, 
you know, they try to do the tests and stuff like that. They can't tell. So, you know, you know, we're 15 minutes from getting on the bus. I mean, the buses are out there. We're getting ready to get into the shower, get dressed and get out of there. And, you know, here I am, you know, laying on the floor and, and I'm, I'm not knowing, you know, well, my legs not broke. You know, they tell me that, but we don't know what's wrong, but they definitely know you're not going to play in that first game. Right. So I knew that mm-hmm. was going, that was going to happen. But you know, it was it was it was it was interesting because even though this was, you know, my my body, my my career, my life, I think Ruben was more vested in me coming back than I was. I mean, Ruben Arjun, our trainer, he was an absolute beast in rehabbing yes. my leg to get it back. He was, I mean, hands down. I mean, I would have never played again if it hadn't been for him you know and you know he just he did a remarkable job keeping me on task you know working it taking it to the limit getting to where it needed to be so it was great but the other thing about the the knee injury that i think i didn't like is i think i wasn't you know mentally prepared to help those guys you know we have five freshmen you know and not just the five freshmen, Reggie and Steve were new too. You know, they were Juco yeah. transfers. Right. So they had never been in a program. You know, they didn't know anything, you know, hardly either. And I didn't, I, you know, I wish I would have given them a little bit more support. I wish I would have been in a type of mind, you know, frame to be able to have helped them, to be, you know, be helping myself and to have helped them at the same time because they were. Man, they were going – it was – I mean, people always say it's tough to watch from the bench, but it's tough, you know, when your it friends is. are going through that and they're losing and you just you don't have the tools, you know, to make it better for them. And, Scott, to both of you, those points, right? <clears throat> I had broken my foot my first senior year. I played 10 games and then broke it against Bradley. And getting ready for that bender year coming in in the fall – Ruben was with me on that bike Saturdays and Sundays. I, I would meet him over at Redbird Arena and I'd get out because I couldn't, I wasn't cleared to run until first week of October. So now I got to be able to start running and all that. And Ruben, like you said, every step of the way, I, I would not have played my senior year if it was not for the effort he put in above and beyond what any trainer would ask for. I mean, he was there every Saturday and Sunday for the first six weeks and then the season started. And even when the season was over, making sure I was icing and, and all the stuff he did to take care of us. So, and Doc did a wonderful job too, but Ruben was by far awesome. The other one was, here I am, played 10 games, broke my foot, and I was no help to you guys, right? I'm a senior. There's a little bit of um, mental issues, mental health issues going on, right? You're trying to you, you think you're ready to play, and now you're being it's being taken away from you. And there's nothing that's changed the clock, right? You know these games you'll never get back. And so <clears throat> I didn't really help you guys either, and it's a regret I have. Um, so we were kind of laughing about my zookeeper pants, and you were teasing me about my <laughs> my fashion choices. But, again, right, it's the same thing, brother, right? I mean, you yeah. do what I went through. So, all right, so you're on the bench. You, you ACL surgery and probably early because uh, it's Dayton. It's got to be early, late November. Well, yeah. Playing, playing Wichita or Chicago State late middle February. 
fight yeah, breaks out, you're probably, I think you said you think you're coming off crutches or still on crutches at that point. Yeah. So did, I you had crutch the, on, did you crutch on down there and start beating people with a crutch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have kicked me off the ground. I'd be like, I'm out of the game already. You can't, can't take me. I probably would have, at the best, get out of the way. Because all I could have thought of was, man, if somebody fall on my leg, <laughs> then we're really going to be fighting. I know these people. My mother and my sister graduated from Chicago State. I could walk to Chicago State from my house in Chicago. I was at Chicago State. I knew those people in and out. I know the head coaches now, athletic director then and now. So, yeah, Chicago State's like, you know, second home to me. So if they would have fell on my leg during that fight, <laughs> I would have saw them back at home. All right. So we were supposed to have JC on. Uh, Big Gerard Coleman is having some stuff with his family and is not able to join us. Um, so for those that have wondered about the Rumble and Redbird locker room, um, it, it's Scott and JC and John. So those are the three that went at it. So here's how it goes down, right? Butterly talks about it. Uh, of course, Lowenthal couldn't believe it actually happened. Bob Morris <laughs> went, made reference to it. JC's made reference to it. So we go to Creighton, and I have said it before, we laid an eight. We played like dirt. We come back. It's two-ish in the morning. We're all tired. Bender is yelling at us, giving us the grief, whatever. He leaves. Coaches around the corner in that locker room, uh, Butterly, and then they can't, we can't see him as players. Scott Fowler stands up. Hi, Scott. We're all friends, so don't worry about this. And, and JC and I and Scott got on a, a call about a month ago. We talked about doing this, and we're just laughing. So we are still thick as thieves today. So the fight meant something then. It means something today, but it's not uh, nothing to do with our friendship and our, and our brotherhood. Scott stands up, looks at JC, and goes, you're a punk. Looks at John Pemberton, which is me, and goes, you're a punk. Uh. Such a surreal moment, you know. Look at look at when I when I when I think back at it, you know, I I, I tend to you know I end up narrating to myself, you know, the things that happen, and I and I try to put it into focus. And first of all, none of it could have happened without a few things. One, I had an extreme passion for not just the program but for my teammates, for the guys that I played with. And I love those guys, and I love them like brothers. They are brothers to me. So first, it, none of this happens if, that, if that's not there. If there's just some group of guys or whatever and nobody cares about anything, then we're not having this conversation. Right. But when I, when I look back, it was, it was almost like if you woke up on a boat, a sailboat, and the wind's not blowing, and you can see the shoreline, but the current's taking you the other way. You can see it. It's there. That was our season. You could see it. It was there. You know, we could do so much better, but we're going the wrong direction. And the frustration is building in everybody. It's building, you know, in, in the coaches. You can see it in, in the players, you know, the management staff. Everybody's on edge and things like that. And, and for me, I'm thinking that I, I need to get to point A. And what's in my way right now is John and Gerard. I need to get through these guys to get to point A. Either, you know, first of all, I love and admire the both of them. You know, John, 
is there's never no fight in John and Gerard talent was something I looked up to, you know, so I admired everything that they brought to the team and to our program. Thank you. But I needed them to do more. I needed them to get us over this hump. Thank you. You know, yeah, you could have probably spoken to Ricky or Randy, but no, I didn't play point guard or shooting guard. I played power <laughs> forward. I played in the trench with these dudes. So something had to change. And, you know, I don't even remember how bad we had lost to Creighton, but I just remember thinking, you know, what I could, you know, I could do bad on my own. You know, I need these guys to step up and do something. If they're not going to step up and do something, then something needs to change. And as I looked around at our team, you know, it didn't seem like we were going to get that push. You know, every every so often, you know, like if you're on that boat, you just need that breeze to bring it out the way. It just wasn't happening. So I just felt like we were getting deeper and deeper into a situation that we probably couldn't recover from. And something had to, had to kickstart us in the right direction. Now, my, my high school and, even, and part of my college days, corporal punishment was still legal, especially in high school. You can get, you can get paddled and stuff like that. So when we were in high school, you know, it was like, hey, you know, we're all from the same, you know, streets in Chicago. You know, let's do this. And if you could see that, you know, it was okay. And it was nothing for you to shake your brother, and, and you know. And I played I played basketball with my brother, you know. Nothing to shake him and say, "Hey, I love you. You can do better. You will do better, right. you know. Or you got to move." And and that's what and that's what it came to in the locker room, you know. I don't even remember the verbiage, you know, calling out them, but I know I spoke directly to those guys because yep. that's that's what I needed. That's the attention I needed, and. It, it it was just, it was so much you know piss and vinegar at the time. <laughs> it was just so much. It it just built up so much yeah. that you know at that last point you know looking into his eyes, you know I, I wasn't. It still wasn't happening. So then it happened. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I you know gave him a nice little strike, and it woke him up. It woke him up. Woke that team up, woke yep. that program up, and yeah, because, you know we went on to do things. Yeah. Now, I, is it true that you hit Gerard versus John because Pemberton's just a little bit bigger than uh, Gerard? <laughs> <laughs> Was there some calculated? Yeah, <laughs> John broke his foot. You know he's slow, so if I ran, I knew he wasn't going to catch me. It wasn't going to be a fair fight. <laughs> so, like, leave John alone. He got enough going on. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I came to that school, you know, you know, at, at St. Louis, there was a player that was just like Gerard. His name was Anthony Bonner, I think it was. He played for the Knicks or something yep. like that. Yep. Same type of player. So I, I I followed that player, you know, when I when I came to Illinois State. And, you know, I watched him play and I watched him perform and things like that. And, you know, I wanted to emulate. But, you know, we got to a point where it was, it, you know, the life was being, you know, was taken out. You know, yeah. you know the love for the game, the enthusiasm, the hunger, you know, go out there, be a beast. You know, we're big dudes. So, you know, we need to play big Great. dude basketball. And yep. we weren't. And I know he could. I know they could. 
and they proved that they could. You know, I just found myself in a position where I was just so upset and frustrated that I just, I had to, you know, I had to let them know. And I would, I would, I would, I do that with my, my biological brothers and sisters, cousins, my kids, you know, I let them know. So I would have done nothing less with these guys. Yeah. And it was a wake up, right? Cause it, there's a lot of other, I think other people were frustrated too, right? Other guys got up and either tried to join the melee or break up the melee. It was just a, but it, it was, and when we were good within minutes after, right? I think everybody realized that we were all frustrated, right? We were all struggling. Um, and man, wow. Right. What yeah. a, and, what and, a and I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any more passion than anybody else. Everybody mm-hmm. there had the same amount. You know, it was just that, you know, we weren't moving forward. No, we weren't. We weren't, we weren't. We weren't putting our best foot forward. And then you'll and go in and take the next game and get the greatest tip in ever in ISU history. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but people that watch this, that, that jumping and stuff, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's really spontaneous. <laughs> and Steve that has me. never been duplicated in my life. <laughs> Steve, practice. That jumping and tip was the day game after the Rumble the, in Redbird Arena. The correct? very next game. Very yeah. next game. So, yeah. But we've had people on here, and Barley said it, Gerard said it, uh, Coach Lowenthal. Everyone's talked about that that incident, right? And then how it changed. And way before we even thought about doing podcasts, I mean, John, you, you talked about it yourself. And, 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 you know, he told us, little bits and stuff like that and, and so that was the thing that changed it and, and you guys were six and nine after that Creighton game and you guys won 12 out of the next 15 games so wow I mean it it, it speaks for itself you know and, and uh, I think Dan you know Barley even said he, he admired the leadership you know for you to take that you know initiative and, and you you did yeah I mean that, that was uh it it, it 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 did it was a catalyst it was a catalyst, yeah, a defining it. moment. Yep, and and you know what we're blessed is the fact that we are all still closest thieves, right? And we could go through that and frustration when you're losing. It, 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 it's hard, right? And, and for Scott's been on two losing teams. I've been on one losing team. You know, it, it's a very frustrating thing. We were all nipping at each other. I had a broken foot and. Guys were teasing me and, and, and mad at me because, right, I wasn't participating and, wasn't, and I couldn't, right? And Scott watched it too, right? He feels like he couldn't help Vandegaard and those freshmen. Like he, he, he should have, but it happened. So, all right, Scott, this has been your episode, brother. It's always a pleasure. Any closing marks you want to give us before we wrap this up? I'm just – I'm so – glad and appreciative that you guys are doing this you know i talk to my kids about you know the olden days and i sound older and older the more i talk to them about it you know but then they get to see something like this you know like they went and saw the last dance like oh i didn't know that about michael jordan and stuff like that it's a new eye something like this gives them a new eye on you know how it was for us what we did and the type of because I don't know. And I don't know if kids had the same type of brotherhood that we had back then. You know, yeah, we could 
we can fight and curse each other out, but I got your back. Yeah. Everybody knows that. There's nobody that would doubt that. So with that, you know, thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Thank you for thank being you. my teammate. Thank you for being on. Yeah, and it's the it's the Red Bird Brotherhood, right? I mean, we could go, we could be fighting on the court and go to a house party and kick it with, you know, whatever we were drinking that night. If we were doing, and That's guys, right. some guys didn't drink and, and did drink, and it didn't matter, right? We were all good. So, hey, um, and hopefully know. there was no recruits. Yeah, in water some love, which seems to be a reoccurring thing for for basketball. So I think I do that once a year. <laughs> I think if that guy was on the team, you'd be, you guys would have beat Michigan. But whatever. Exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. Oh, All right. So this is episode seventeen with Scott Fowler. Uh, and we are signing off. Now, the great thing about this, Scott, is usually I'm the one who is always teasing John Diner. But here we are signing off. Episode 17, Scott Fowler. Oh, I didn't do it right. I didn't say <laughs> this. Oh. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right.